the best time of the day show. Certain things on my late night show became legend purely by accident. It's something that the public really relatched really onto. And I'd read somewhere about this bloke who was a Canadian who had been wandering along one day uh, and was attacked by a bear. But luckily for him, he had two knives and was able to see the bear off. But it actually planted a germ in his mind of what he could do in order to safeguard the population and also probably make a killing at the same time. And that was to invent a bear-proof suit. And this chap's name, he reveled in the name of Troy Hurtabees. And uh, Troy Hurtabees every so often would turn up on our sort of news timeline, having done something else with his bear-proof suit. So what he did, he went home to his shed, effectively, and said, right, what do you need for a bear-proof suit? Uh, well, probably like like a football outfit you know maybe a ski mask a crash helmet that sort of thing big pads and stuff so he built this bear proof suit and took it down to the local zoo and said to the zookeeper do you think i can go in the enclosure closure with the bear and they went you must be joking mate well can i put the suit in they went all right fair enough so they poked the suit through the bars and the grizzly bear looked at it and ripped it to shreds with one paw so well that's not so good is it so therefore he went home and tried for bear-proof suit too and of course you know mark one mark two they were called the ursus one and the ursus two you see he knew his he knew his latin or whatever and so anyway ursus two was ready and he took it down the uh, he took it down the zoo and this time it was a bit stronger so it took about 15 seconds for it to be short, torn to shreds by the same bear who must have been waiting just going when's that guy going to come down again let's see if we've got something else to, to tear to pieces and this went on for a while until he built a, a fairly ultimate bear-proof suit the only downside of it then was the fact that it was so unwieldy it was more or less impossible to walk anywhere and i think he may on one occasion he may have fallen over and rolled down a bank and been unable to get up again which means presumably if you're being chased by a bear uh it's not really a good idea because the bear could then sit on you like <laughs> and gradually take you apart a bit like unpeeling an orange so uh the ursus five or whatever it wasn't going so so well so troy thought i know i've got to do something to some, somehow monetize this so i think he forgot about bears for a while and he tried to sell the concept to the american army that you know if you have this huge suit you know people can fire rockets at you and stuff like that and you'll be absolutely fine uh, the fact that you, you know they will be <laughs> you know, imagine the i don't know the north koreans or whatever saying the americans are advancing on us very very slowly quick walk away as briskly as you can because they can't possibly catch us so he tried to sell this american army i don't think they were very interested and uh, i think poor old troy it may have led to madness in the end uh, but there's lots of videos of him all over youtube uh, being hit thwacked run over etc by a variety of implements and things like that proving that the bearproof suit was not really the work of genius uh, i don't think he was hurt too much and uh, but it really was it was a non-starter but the sad tale i've just learned about poor old troy hurtabees and his bearproof suit is that all this uh, research and development cost him everything every penny every cent he had so we had to sell his suits and that was the end of troy now the bbc works in mysterious ways and always has done 
and uh, it's wonders to perform but i've never fully understood it because if you ask one person one thing they'll tell you yes and if you ask another person something they'll probably tell you no in fact i was once at a radio station and i asked and i can remember whether it's an open or closed question which elicits a yes or no answer and i asked there were a couple there were two management people saying should we do so and so and they said in unison yes no I went, well, in that case, you're going to have to go and sort yourself out and let us know, us proles know what we're supposed to do, because you can't actually make up your own minds at the moment. A few years ago, when we started doing websites and things like that, we thought, wouldn't it be fun? We're just looking back at some of the things which made Britain great. And if you ever went on a, a, a holiday camp holiday, a Butlin's holiday, there was one or two things there which uh, over in, in history which actually were part of the fun. They become legendary in, in British holiday making. Um, and it's that whole Heidi High thing of the British Nobbly Knees competition. Now, I've got, frankly, Olympic medal winning Nobbly Knees, uh, but I don't think they do the Nobbly Knees competition anymore, which is a bit of a shame. But I thought it'd be a great idea to actually have on the radio a Nobbly Knees competition but put the, the pictures of the knobbly knees on our new website. So it'd be a good idea. So we said to the audience, can you send us a picture of your knees? Okay, we don't want your face. We, don't, we just want a close-up of your knees. No more than a couple of inches above, no more than a couple of inches below. We don't even want feet. We just want the knees. Okay, and sure enough, you know, you were brilliant. We got all sorts of pictures of people's knees, or rather knobbly knees. They were some great, all different sizes, shapes and colours. It's terrific. And and so we thought, okay, we started putting these up on the website. Then we thought, oh, hang on a second. There's a BBC department, I still think there is a BBC department, called Compliance, which I think means... It's an arse-covering exercise just in case someone complained, mainly the Daily Mail, uh, about the BBC. They said, oh, well, it's been complied, which means someone has said yes or, more importantly, no, just in case. So some, there's probably some terrific ideas which never made it to the air because the compliance people chickened out at the last minute thinking, I actually did have somebody once say to me, a management figure, you can't do that. Said, Why not? What happens if the Daily Mail get hold of it? Yeah, well, it'd be good publicity, wouldn't it? No! it'd be publicity we can't have that because it might be bad publicity look you know when they're never going to say anything nice about us but at least they'll say something about us so we thought we'd talk to the play more of a joke than anything else we'll ask the compliance people what they think of our knobbly knees page our wall of knobbly knees on our new website for the show and sure enough the email came back saying yes that's acceptable but all the knees have to be over the age of 18. What? No minor knees. Okay, okay, fair enough. You know, oh, look, I'm not making any excuses for paedophilia here. It's a nasty, twisted thing. But I think it's a bit niche if you're only going for the knees. But still, okay, fine. So I had to explain this to the audience. You know, okay, um, apparently uh, the knees have to be over 18. And, of course, the audience is far, far cleverer than the BBC ever will be. And we got all these pictures going, I can only send you a picture of one of my knees. One of my knees is 76. The other's only six months old because <laughs> I've had it replaced. So, therefore, all these people go, all right, fine. And, I, of course, I told Terry Wogan this. And Terry 
always, you know, was a lovely man, genius, and also he loathed the management because he always used to say about the BBC is that if it ain't the BBC, if it ain't broke, break it, uh, which is what they normally did. So therefore, he then decided at every opportunity on his breakfast show to mention the fact <laughs> that we had this website with the knees on it. But remember, you can, the knees have to be younger than over 18, otherwise it wouldn't be allowed on. And uh, I don't know whether management asked him to stop in the end, but I know the fact is they ever said, Terry, please don't do that. He would do it all the more. Um, and uh, that thereby hangs another tale, which I'll come back to. I've got some wonderful Terry Wogan stories, which I shall share with you on future podcasts. I've mentioned in previous podcasts that, in fact, if you are even slightly as I was in the public eye, uh, just by saying hello, you'll annoy some people. Uh, people take an instant dislike to you, uh, which is fair enough. You know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And one of the joys of the job that I've had is actually going out and meeting people and doing outside broadcasts or doing stage shows and things like that. And uh, one year uh, I was invited to be part of uh, the WI. Uh, they had their great big annual jamboree at the NEC, as it was called, in Birmingham. And this is a vast place. And thousands and thousands of ladies turned up for the WI. I think it was the year that Tony Blair was Prime Minister and was so slow hand-clapped and jeered by the WI. My sister's a member of the WI, and so is my aunt. They take no prisoners, believe you me. So, early one morning, I was sort of first on. And there I was on the radio stand and just chatting with the four or five people who were standing around. There weren't many people, maybe a dozen or so. And right at the front was a lady and she had, a, like, I could still visualise it, she had a hat on and she had those sort of wing, slightly Dame Everidge wing glasses. And a coat, even though it was inside, she had a coat which was buttoned right up to the top and had a handbag. And I hate to think what was in the handbag. I, I would imagine weapons of some description. And so I was chatting, and I looked at this, I could feel this woman's eyes boring into me. And I thought, what's the matter? And I'm chatting away and hopefully entertaining the, uh, the, the sparse crowd. Um, and uh, so I stopped, and I thought, oh, she must have been you know, standing on the stage. I said, I'm terribly sorry, uh, madam, uh, just to say that uh, I'm uh, Alex Lester from the BBC. And she looked at me up and down with that look, which, you know, frankly could strip paint. And then she said in a voice which actually echoed, she was only tiny, five foot tall if she was a, a, an inch, in a voice that echoed round the whole of the NEC where people setting up other stands and things stopped to look round. What, what, what that was, and she said, I know who you are and I don't like you. Now, I mentioned before that, uh, obviously, being on the radio, we've had some marvellous adventures over the years. It's a great privilege to go out and do different things. And so when I was in local radio to start off with, uh, I used to get sent round the country where there were short people. I was based in Birmingham, but got sent round. And uh, I got sent very early on in my career to Radio Humberside in Hull, which is fantastic. And they really knew their audience so well. They would organise listener trips, not you know, a coach into the countryside for a cream tea. No, they would go to Amsterdam with a ferry full of people, OK? And so, and these, they would sell out within, you know, like the Beatles are in town. The moment you mention on the radio, listen a trip to Amsterdam, whoosh, 
sell out more or less instantly. And also because Hull being just at the ferry port, it was, wasn't so far to travel. So all these people, and the audience, let's face it, was quite elderly. And so you turn up on the appointed day, on the appointed day, ready to go. Uh, and the first hiccup on this particular trip was a lady who turned up uh, without a passport. Uh, not really realising, I think, that uh, Holland was the destination. Uh, but she had, this is a long time ago, OK, she had a Hull Corporation transport bus pass, which they deemed sufficient for her to get on the ferry. So even though she didn't have a passport, a Hull Corporation bus pass would make it, would hack it back in 1979. So on she got. And off it, and we would, they'd be there as the sort of the DJs, if you like, sort of entertaining the crowd, etc. And then on the way back, well, word went round that something had gone amiss. That, in fact, one of the people on the trip had died. And this unfortunate chap had been in his cabin straining at the stool and it had proven too much for the poor chap's heart so he'd keeled over on the bog. So what were we going to do? Well, I was blissfully unaware of this, but, you know, the radio station was well-equipped because it had a nurse, someone who one of the members of the staff who had been a nurse, and also a chaplain. So they went off down to the cabin to see what they could do, which was basically lay out the corpse. And uh, as they were doing this, they then had the quandary of teeth in or teeth out, because I think there may be some religious significance of, you know, you come into this world with nothing, you go out and go, oh, whatever. So did the, would the teeth, false teeth, hack it? So I think they realised for cosmetic purposes it would be a good idea to to put the poor unfortunate bloke's teeth back in. And so they did that and so they laid the body out. And meanwhile, everyone else is sort of dancing merrily, getting drunk in the bar, that sort of thing, and having, you know, quizzes and stuff. And uh, so obviously the, the ferry had radioed ahead. So when we arrived back in Hull, Hull docks, um, we were met by an ambulance or a hearse, should I say, with a, a cardboard coffin in the back. And also the... Uh, the, uh, the, the, the unfortunate person's uh, family uh, who didn't actually seem all that um, <laughs> upset. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe Uncle Larry wasn't quite a nice person. I don't know. But as they were bringing the, uh, the coffin down the gangplank to pop in the hearse to drive it away to the funeral home, one of the, one, one of the relatives piped up, Oi! Where's his duty free? The best time of the day show is back Monday. Please, please stay. Please stay. Please stay. The best time of the day show is a loading zone production. La di da.